Hey, Horror Wine and Crime fans. What up, Lo? What up, Kay? So, uh, today is a very special day. We have an audience member. Yes. She said audience, not audience. Singular. One. But an important one. A special one. Yes. We have Lisa Moore joining us. Woo! Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here and drinking this fabulous wine. Yes. Wine is good. Um, so she's going to listen and she will tell us what she thinks, when she thinks, or she may sit and just listen quietly. Either way, she is uh, going to join us and experience it with us. Um, this is a two-parter, just so you know. So this week, we're calling it Dress to Kill. So this week, we're going to do Lululemon. And next week, well, you have to tune in to see what it is. But uh, hopefully, you will turn in. It's a good one, so you definitely want to. Uh, but yeah, this week with wine, we are drinking Spirit Cider, Blueberry Apple Hard Cider. Um, and yeah, it's delish. Lori actually got it in Traverse City. Yes. Very, very good. Very fun times. And uh, I like that it is Michigan homegrown. Yes. percent. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, with further notice, we will talk about Brittany Norwood and the Lululemon story. So Lululemon, um, it's a Canadian multinational athletic apparel. Um, it is in Delaware. Well, that's where the headquarters is, and in Vancouver. It was founded in 1998 as a retailer of yoga pants and other yoga wear. And it has expanded to also sell athletic wear, lifestyle apparel, accessories, personal care products. The company has 491 stores internationally and also sells online. Um, they do do the pyramid scheme, which I was not a fan of, but I find it kind of scammy. Yeah. But, uh, you I can like order them. <laughs> you can order the leggings and then you can sell them out of your house. And yeah. the more you sell them, people get under you and blah, blah, blah. Um, but in the year of 2020 and 2021, the apparel brand was known as generated about 4.4 billion U.S. dollars. Um, that was their net revenue worldwide. Balling. Chip Wilson, he is the owner, founder. Uh, his net worth is about $5.9 million in 2021. Why is it called Lululemon, may you ask? Well, in 2004, uh, a National Post business magazine had said that Lululemon was explaining that he wanted to create a name with three L's. To see if he could get three times the money. Wilson was playing around with the L sound when he came up with Lululemon. Now that name indeed does have three L's. Okay, but how random. Like, yeah, I, that's right. I want to know why the L's. Yeah, why specifically why L's? L's? And like, I mean, the name flows nicely, but it's just so random. <laughs> but I kind of love it because it's that random. I am kind of biased just because my name starts with an L. Yes. Hey, mine too. So, yeah. I'm in the minority over here. <laughs> I'm close. I'm a K, so. You're right there. You're right next yeah. to us. Yep. <laughs> okay, so Brittany Norwood, she was one of nine. She had four brothers, four sisters. 
She was known to be happy and smiling. She was a high school graduate in Georgia, um, former South area. She was a soccer standout. Brian Van Bloomstein, he coached her in 99 and recalled her as committed. Came to practice, never a problem, showed up, very good player, and ran like the wind. However, apparently Brittany Norwood had a habit of stealing things. She would steal things from her teammates, high school friends, co-workers. Once, um, she even stole a weave from a hairdresser <laughs> by getting the weave done and then saying someone stole her wallet out of her bag. And then after this, she just never paid the worker for it. I mean, honey's still a weave. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Commitment. She is a committed klepto. The managers <laughs> at Lululemon the, at the store, they were well aware of her stealing tendencies. However, trying to get her fired from Lululemon store at the time of the murders, well, it's kind of hard to fire someone if you have an airtight case. So an employee had to literally catch Norwood in the act. Unfortunately, Jana Murray, who caught Norwood with a pair of yoga pants, well, oh, to hear it. She pissed her off. I'm getting there. I'm getting oh, there. My yoga pants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and there were crops that weren't even full length. Oh my gosh, worse. <laughs> Brittany was always well described as petite, um, but she was jacked. Um, she actually did push-up contests with a male client, and she won. Girl power. She dressed sharp. She always had her hair on point and her nails done. She ate fancy. One friend commented that her apartment was like a showcase and that her closet was so neat and tidy that it was crazy. Also, a lot of her friends wondered, like, on a $12 an hour budget, like, it wasn't a career. So how is she affording all of this? Um, They did say, like, Lululemon was not a career. It was just a stepping stone job your next move uh Brittany actually applied to a higher end gym called equinox she wanted to be a trainer and she actually got the call back to join them oh, however nice. so jana murray jana was 30 years old she was pursuing two master degrees one from john hopkins university as she worked part-time at the how did we say that bethesda bethesda yeah. thank you ladies lisa got it yes <laughs> Uh, the Lululemon. Jana was adventurous. In fact, she loved nothing more than a thrilling excitement she got from bungee jumping, skydiving, but yoga brought the greatest sense of balance and calmness to her life and her job. At Lululemon was perfect for her. Jana was sweet and fun. It's been told that she would be seen doing cartwheels and handstands all around the store. She was training for a marathon. She was the type of girl you noticed when you walked in the room. Um, she was a natural dancer. She wanted to be on Broadway. She had two older brothers and a mom who just doted on her. They were all close-knit. Uh, she was frank with you, but she was sweet. She had a BFF, Frazier, who was from Seattle. Ding, ding, ding. Wait, I'm missing it. I'm lost. Did okay. you get it? No. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Gray, Dr. Um, the show Frazier. Oh, oh okay, yeah. So you know place in Seattle. At, my mind's at, my mind's at uh, Mr. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that, that works that too. <laughs> um, she knew him since seventh grade and they planned to get married. Oh. On March 11th, 2011 at Lululemon Athletic Store, which is located in Washington, D.C., 
It's a suburb right outside of Maryland. Brittany Norwood, she was the store worker. Jana was the manager. Uh, they were closing up for the night, so it's probably around 9 o'clock. Now, if you ever worked retail before, you know the routine. Um, all purses, bags, they have to be checked before you leave. Um, I worked at New York and Company. I worked at Justice for a little bit. They always check your handbag and whatever backpack. Anything really? you bring, they, you have to open up your bag before you leave. Oh, I never worked retail, so I don't know this, but... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because it would be so easy for employees to just, like, swipe some of the mer merchandise. Yeah, they also watch you when you have to take the garbage out, too. Really? So that you're not taking extra garbage bags and then putting them next to dumpsters or have a, you know, friend or somebody that's there that you could just throw merchandise in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, I never thought that. of that. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. They take it serious. Yeah. So when Jenna saw the pants with a tag and no receipt, she questioned Brittany about them. Uh, Brittany claims that she paid for them with the other manager on shift. Jenna went to look it up in the system but told Brittany she did not see it, um, but she didn't want to deal with it. Brittany denied it anyway, and she, she wasn't in the mood. The store was closed. She wanted to leave. She told her that she could take it up with Rachel Atelli. Rachel was the store general manager. She loved the store. She loved her girls. So much that she lived in an apartment basically across from the store. Brittany tried to talk her out of it, pleading with her with the whys and sorries, but Jana was just, she was over it. They had been watching and waiting to catch her, in fact, for a while. They couldn't fire her without proof, although they had feelings she was fired from the Georgia location for exceeding the store's spendings. So... There's definitely some red flags. Yeah. They Selfish. locked up. They went home. By this time, it's 9.45. Jenna had headed to her car, Brittany, for the metro station, but Brittany realized she lost her metro card. She called Jana and asked her to meet her back at the store so she could find her wallet. She agreed. She left their laptop anyway, so she might as well go back and help her. She was on her way. She was on the phone with another store member letting her know, like, we got her. We got the bitch. We told her, like, you're done, you know, whatever. Um, but she was annoyed. She told her friend, like, oh, my God, she's calling on the other line now. Like, we got to go back to the store, you know. So she hangs up with her friend. They head back to the store. They couldn't find her wallet. Jenna offered her Metro card to Brittany so she could get home. So the next morning when Rachel arrived, she was like, what the fuck? Like, who left the door unlocked? Now, Jana was her best friend, but she was still pissed, like, girl, like, why can't you lock this shit up, right? Yeah. So she proceeds to walk to the store, and she notices a turned over table, a broken TV, and there is blood everywhere. She could hear moaning in the store, so she ran back outside. Now, there's an Apple store right next door to, to this location, um, and the iPad, too, so that tells you this is a throwback iPad 2 was being released that day, so there's quite the crowd out there. So she uh, ran out there, and she saw Ryan Hall, who happened to be an Apple customer, sitting on a bench smoking and told him she was scared something really bad happened to her friends slash her employees and that the perps might still be in there. He asked if she wanted him to check it out. She said yes. When he went in to see, it was a fucking mess. I mean... He saw bloody footprints, an open cash till, there was a dead man, and a young lady half naked with
an exposed crotch, beat up and zip tied, possibly alive, but tied up on the floor. Oh my gosh. That's a way to ruin your morning. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan relayed what he saw and told Rachel to call 911. Rachel called and said, oh my God, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm going crazy, but I think my friend is hurt. Oh my God. A few minutes later, the cop shows up, Kristen Nuff. She tells them to wait outside. She pulls her gun out and assuming the attacker could still be inside waiting to attack her. So she found a woman bound in the bathroom and radioed for help. She forced the hallway door open that had blood smears and splatters up to six feet high. I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. She found the man laying on the floor facing away from her, only it wasn't a man. It was a blonde-haired woman in a pool of blood. Her hair was matted. You could see a toolbox had fallen on her head and making her shoulders her a little bit broader. Her pants and underwear were neatly ripped, which was kind of odd. Um, but her butt was showing, and sadly, after reaching her, she found that there was no pulse. Jana's face was unrecognizable. They knew it was her due to the purse belongings and her bags that were scattered all over the store. Brittany was hospitalized right away. She had deep cut between her finger her, and her thumb, and she was in shock, and then she had a huge gash on her head. Detective Deanna Mackey, he was a veteran cop of 19 years who specialized in sex crimes and homicide. She was sent to interview Brittany and found out what happened. I'm going to just tell you, this could be a trigger warning because it gets kind of kind of brutal. So I just want to say that in case there's some younger ones or you know, yeah. other gets children gruesome. around. or <laughs> um, so, But it's kind of an important part of the story. So She says they closed up, like I explained earlier, and they were jumped by two men and head-to-toe black and head-to-toe black masks and black clothes. Uh, Jana was hit in the back of the head, and Brittany was hit from behind and was dragged by her hair to the back of the store. They started to cut her all over with sharp objects. Brittany was sobbing and hysterical. She was told by the man that if she said another word, he would slit her throat. He was yelling racial and mysterious misogynistic thank you <laughs> um and at her and drug her to the back of the store he pushed her on the bathroom floor and told her to shut up or he would make sure she would never have children again as he cut down her stomach i don't think he actually cut her i think he was just kind of making like a motion okay um but uh, he continued with more racial slurs um which i am not going to repeat them but i'm sure you can guess what she was claiming they were saying um, he raped and assaulted her with a wooden hanger. He said that she could hear the Apple employees next door, so was thinking, if I can hear them, they have to be able to hear me. Somebody will come and save me. She is sobbing. She's saying she heard Jana put up a fight and that the screams just kept coming until they didn't. Brittany says she tried to help because there was just so much blood and it was more than she's ever seen. Mackie tells her, there's no way this is your fault. She asked, Br Brittany asked how her friend is doing. She's like, I'm not sure. And then asked what the dudes look like. They sounded white, but I can't tell. They were covered in masks and gloves. 
well, one is six foot and the other was super short. Uh, they tired me up and she blacked out until the morning when the cops showed up. So Brittany was never abused. Um, well, she was claiming that she was drugged. Yeah, she was drugged. She was zip tied, like bound. And then um, her clothes were ripped and she was claimed that she was raped with a wooden hanger. And then she did have a gash on her head and some like other minor cuts and stuff, but not like Jana. Jana sustained 331 injuries before she died. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she was alive for all of them until the last blow. Because, tell, well, I'll tell you that they can tell because your body has to be alive for you to bruise. So that's oh. how they could tell her injuries. Um, if your heart stops, then your blood stops, and then you won't bruise. So. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So it could have been, she could have been alive if it weren't for the last blow. Yeah. Oh. Oh, hold on, sister. Oh. It's, it's going to get deep here in a second. So, um, yeah, she was alive for all of them. Um, bruising and bleeding, like I just, you know, kind of explained that it in indicated that she was alive for during the entire attack. Which, again, like I said, the bruises happen only when you're alive. She had a pulse. She had blood pressure. She was bleeding. Um, the bleeding wounds until, yeah, she was alive. Up to 105 of her wounds were defensive, meaning Murray was using her arms, legs to defend herself. Um, Ripple, which is one of the detectives, said that among her injuries, he testified that Murray sustained multiple cuts, bruises, abrasions, and cutting wounds. Six blunt force wounds to her head and another blunt force that crushed her skull with stab wounds to her shoulder and to her lower back and two to the back of her head. That's so scary. That they were just walking into like their place of like where they work and that just can happen. Huh? And on. it happens all the time. You Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Oh God. <laughs> so injuries to her chin and they had marks on it. So... Her chin and her neck also suggested that there was a rope that was used. Um, they did recover one at the scene, so they do have fibers, along with bloody hair, and they discovered um, some of it on Murray's hand. The blunt force injuries to Murray's skull causing bruising to the internal portion of her brain, which makes an, a tremendous amount of force, similar to if she was in a car accident. Another weapon was a merchandise peg. So clearly these people are just using what they can find. So you need something with weight behind it, something that swings with a lot of force. Ultimately, Murray was killed by a knife, a wound to the back of her neck that pierced her brain, an injury after which she could only survive less than one minute. Besides the merchandise peg, um, a state attorney, John McCarthy, held up several other items at the scene, including a wrench, a hammer, a rope, and asked whether they would be consistent with Murray's injuries, and they replied yes. There was at least five different weapons used in this attack. So the police feel that this was like a jackpot hit. Like the men, they were on camera outside. They walked by. They were dressed in black, one tall, one short. And what do you know? The timing is good. But it just happened that there were busboys leaving their job from down the street. It didn't panic. So, like, they didn't see them going into Lululemon. They just saw them walking past. And that, and then they... They were on camera, yes, but it wasn't And they that. tied it back to, like, the busboys. Yeah, it was alibi that they were just leaving work. Okay. 
So, but let's go back a minute because um, this is this is a part that pisses me off out of the whole story. Like, even like the death itself is horrible and so sad. But um, this is the part that really got me fuming during this case. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> Fucking Apple employees. Okay. I got an apple, but let me tell you. So there's two Apple Store employees. Jana Servo, sorry if I'm butchering the name, not that they deserve a correct name, but, and Ricardo Rios, um, the manager of the Apple Store. They're seen standing next to the wall when they hear one yell, talk to me, don't do this, talk to me, what's going on? Followed by squeak, screams, yelps, yells, and eventually a voice fading saying, God, please help me. So, during the testimony, um, they told detective, so, uh, you just, what was going on here? And they told him that they thought it was just drama. And he said, just drama, correct. Would also push them, suggesting that she didn't go check out the yoga store, an indication that she didn't hear anything. She indicated she didn't hear anything that needed to be checked out. Um, if someone yelled for help, wouldn't you go help, right? Which Sarvo replied to, it's hard to say what I would have done. Clearly. I mean, if she's, like, literally screaming at the top of her lungs, help. I think that sounds kind of a little bit serious and that you should check it out. It's not just some drama going on. So they right, said that they... Called yeah. The yes. They exactly. heard the voice of saying, God help me. Um, that was a little bit different, you know, than, you know, talk to me. Don't do this. So they closed up the store and they did nothing. They heard it all. They did nothing. Um, they had nine minutes to save Jana. If they would have called 911, she'd be alive today. Yeah, because the last hit that killed her wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, had they called her, they could have stopped that death. Um, they don't really seem like they, it's bothering them that they didn't. There was even a security guard there right outside the Apple store. They could have asked him to go next door to check it out. Yeah. They the did. The simplest thing, like like Lisa said, just call the police. Like that's... There's a video of it that you can see. Um, I don't know if I couldn't hear it, but you can hear them, like, listening. And then they're just, like, and kind of shrug it off oh and just, you know, oh, it's just drama. I mean. If that were me, I couldn't live with myself. I knew I didn't do anything to stop someone from being murdered, like. Yeah, at the words, God help me, please help me, that's when I, a welfare check, it doesn't yeah. take nothing. Yeah. No. So, so there was secure, there was video footage of the Apple employees hearing it and their reaction to it. Of doing nothing. Of doing yeah. nothing. They okay. said it was just drama. Yeah. That's a little bit heavier than drama to me. Yeah. And then they had a security guard. He had earbuds in listening to something so he couldn't hear it. But they could have walked over and been like, dude, can you go check next, next door real quick? Yeah. The buildings are right next door. He could have just peered it, you know. So Lululemon, they didn't have any security cameras no. in the store? Outside. Okay. That is weird. You'd think they would have them inside. Also, the part, the security guard should not be like listening to music or wearing headphones. I feel like when he's on his shift, he should, like, you know, have his All eyes his senses are live. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, Douglas Wood, Norwood's attorney, um, was able to establish that within six to nine minutes of the initial sound, the employees 
didn't hear anything else from the door. So obviously, once she was murdered, it was silence. And yeah. Nothing else was going on. Um, they said that it sounded like something heavy was being dragged that they testified and that there was some grunting and high-pitched squealing. That's the Apple employees talking again. Still did nothing. Still just drama, apparently, to them. That's what drama sounds like. They went upstairs. Uh, Rios went upstairs to talk to their other manager, and um, they all listened together. They walked closer to the wall. We heard screaming, yelling. It sounded like a female voice. It sounded like hysterical noises, and then followed by a different female voice saying, talk to me, don't do this, talk to me, what's going on? All I heard was a kind of crying, and it was muffled. Under questioning, prosecutors Mary Beth said that Rio's uh, store security guard was wearing his headphones, and he was inattentive to the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Jana was alive during all 322 injuries. In that nine minutes, they listened. They would have saved her by calling 911. She didn't die until the last blow. These explanations are no comfort to the Murray's family and local residents from who the murder is still fresh in their minds. The family says they still haven't gotten anything from Apple, not even a sympathy card. What? I can't understand why they didn't do anything, Murray's brother said. During that, Judge Robert Greenberg harshly criticized the Apple workers for what they called a callous indifference. Yeah, I'll say. I, yeah, they... Hopefully were, I don't know, punished in some way because they just stood by and did nothing. Or, I don't know, or, uh, yeah, Apple should have given the family something, even just their condolences with the fact that the company didn't even reach out at all. I think the owner came down, the owners came down, the owner of the store, I don't think it was the company, I think it's the owner, I don't know if they're franchised out or not, but the owner of the store... She came down for, like, the court and the trials and all that stuff, but I don't think she, like, wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, you mm. know, stuff like that. I don't know. So David Miguel told the court that two sets of footprints were discovered at the Lululemon following a March 11th crime. But given the initial information that had been given that there was two victims, two suspects, Miguel said he spent a significant amount of time Searching for more shoe print tracks, expecting to find more. He never did. McGill said that two pairs of footprints were found at the shop, a New Balance 7.5 and, and a Reebok a size 14. Now, both sets of prints were recovered at the store. The Reebok print stopped suddenly and didn't trail off, indicating that the shoe may have been cleaned. McGill testified that throughout the store, Marks from the bloody shoelace, which began, belonged to the pair of the New Balances, according to McGill, were discovered without associated shoe print, indicating those shoes may have been cleaned as well. There were multiple impressions in blood near the sink to where the store kept the size 14 shoes at all times. So that and some other things like her wounds of... Uh, I'm sorry, let me start this. Brittany's, they're now kind of questioning her testimony, like her statement. Yeah. So some of the things that they're is that questioning that um, her wounds were superficial, that even the ones on her back, she could have done by herself. The rape kit wouldn't show any semen because it used a hanger, according to her, and she hadn't had sex with anyone in months. 
prior to that, though, she did tell friends that she was seen and active with a basketball player. Um, Jenna's car was found three blocks away. Weird, right? So, Reuven, um, another detective, he'd spent hours, days, mulling over these details. Firstly, how unbelievable these guys are. Secondly, the footprints at the rear of the store. If these guys are so unbelievable believable because they believe these footprints, it's almost like the killer never left the store. If the killer actually did not leave the store at all, what if the killer stayed at the scene until morning? If that's the case, then really there can only be one person. But then who did this? And like what shoes did they like come in no shoes? So if the yeah. sh- they used the shoes at the store, how what did they wear to get there? Like where so, would there have shoes have been? Yeah, yeah, and like all the weapons that they've used, it seems like they were finding things around. Like they didn't come prepared. Like Mm-mm. they didn't have a gun. They didn't like it was spur of the moment. Like yeah. So usually, if you rob a place, you're more prepared than that. Yeah. Was there anything missing from the store? No. So nothing missing. No. Okay. Brittany Norwood. So he tell, he goes back and he tells the site, his team the idea that this is his theory and his team, they're like, no way, blah, blah, blah. But the chief was like, wait a minute, let's think about this. So they kind of go over everything again. Um, they send a crime scene aficionado back to the scene, only this time he's asked to enter with a new perspective. What would he expect to see, and what would he expect to see if it was Brittany Norwood that killed her? It's adding up. (laughs) So all the weapons were used in the back of the store. The box of zip ties were there. Also, like I said, who comes so unprepared, not even in shoes? Um, And the prints of the shoes are store use. Motive? She was caught stealing. Um, Was she going to lose her job again? Cops need to speak with Brittany and they need to do it now. Investigators let things play out, holding back from revealing what they suspect later that day. Brittany is with detectives at the Montgomery PD HQ. Without being prompted, she begins to explain how she had forgotten about the car. She continues claiming that the bad guys forced her to move Jana's car. She explains that... um, while she was tied up, the bad guys told her she was going to get the... after she Before she was tied up, they were going to take her to the car. She had to drive it blocks away, park it, then walk back to the store. Don't speak to anyone or alert anyone. And if she did, she could consider herself dead. Okay, but that wasn't in her first statement. So now that they're questioning her, she's like, oh, wait, I have so much more information. That's, like, sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, the police know that they can't let her go now. She would be a massive flight risk. And also, they decided to confront her with what they believe her response. And a pathetic whisper tone is, I, oh, can I simply go home now? Oh my gosh. The answer is no, Brittany, no. You're, you, you're not going anywhere. Matter of fact, you're... As it should have been. You're yeah. going to be arrested. So Yay, Chris- somebody's doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Christopher Norwood, um, he shows up. It's her brother. Uh, he shows up and he tries to talk to his sister and tells her, you're going to have to be very honest with us. It doesn't look good. You tried to cover it all up. Brittany also scared. You know who she reminds me of talking? I'm sorry. Dahlia? 
Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yes. I'm like, she's like, oh, but I just want to go home. Like, can I just go home? Yes. It's like, um, I'm yes. so sorry, but I don't oh. know if you know how this works. No, you can't go home. And it's probably <laughs> just because they're both young girls. They're both in their 20s. They're both. Yeah. It was kind of, for both girls, I think it was a uh, first one and done active. Yeah. But uh, Brittany, also, also, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our earlier episodes. It's in there. <laughs> Yes, I will be. I will be going. <laughs> That's a good one, the Dahlia story. That another crazy bitch, but mm-hmm. uh, Brittany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brittany also scared of answering, saying that they could be recorded. Chris assured her, like, um, I checked it, and there's no recording. You're safe. I, I looked real good. So it didn't look hard enough then, huh? Because well, you're on candid camera. <gasps> He asked Norwood whether Mary could ever accuse you of shop... Did she ever accuse you of shoplifting? Is this what this is about? She grunts and later says, I didn't take anything. Norwood's brother also asked whether the whole thing was planned. Brittany empathetically denies that it was premeditated. She goes on to cry and says she doesn't want people to be disappointed in her. Chris assures her that they won't, that they love her and they always will. She just wants to go home. Chris advises her before he leaves, you better lie better. Because when you're lying, you look down and you need to not do that. You see the light above the sign over there? Look there. With every answer, look at that light. Oh my gosh. They're like, te- they're like prepping her to like lie on the stand. Oh so I'm boy, with this, this family. But in the book when I read it, it did sound like he was more just trying to get her to tell what happened like he wasn't trying to cover for her but it sounded like he was just like he knew she did it yeah but he didn't want to say you know know. it's on audible i think that's actually a free one if you want to listen to the full story (laughs) any audible listeners i think it's free right now um so on march 18 2011 at 1809 Military time. I don't know why I typed it because I don't know what that is. Um, Brittany Norwood was arrested and charged with the murder murder of Jana Murray. Later that same afternoon, the rape kits came back and shocker, they were negative. She will not be having a hangers baby. (laughs) Winding the clock back, Brittany's education. It's clear now she's. Never graduated from the university, despite she told her family and employers that she had. Her graduation documents were fraudulent. Of course they were. And a small matter of graduation walk is customary for the university students. However, it's now known that she told her family that because she was behind on her student loan, she was banned from walking, despite graduating with honors. So So she's... Yeah, she's a compulsive liar. Yeah, well. she's a compulsive liar and a kleptomaniac. And a murderer. And a murderer. Just try, yeah, yeah, the... The reason Brittany didn't complete her education revolves around, you want to guess? Theft. She had been caught more than once stealing from her teammates' lockers and even from her coach. As cops did more, they learned that Brittany was uh, very familiar with the story. And as it turns out... She had first been employed by the store in Georgetown, but things started going missing. Cash, belongings, goods. Not being able to catch her in the act, so it was decided to just transfer her 
and implement the counter theft measures before their arrival. Which we think you're stealing, so instead of dealing with you, let's just transfer you to a new location. Right. They must have been pretty desperate for employees at that point. Yeah. Well, look what you look what you did. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened if they did not transfer her. So during the trial, um, they said tap your arm thirty times. Now imagine that eleven times over. Now imagine each one with a blow of a hammer, a spanner. I'm not sure what that is. Um, a knife, a box cutter, and a wrench, and so on. Ugh. Calling in as many Lululemon employees cops could locate, things had been falling into place. What cops had now was a picture of jaded, jealousy, vindictive, and a calculated killer. Brittany Norwood eventually pled guilty. She offered the plea guilty with a plea deal. Um, the purpose is so that the accused pleads, if they plead guilty, usually they can exchange for a lesser sentence. Hence, this avoids... The need for a trial, avoiding a trial means avoiding possibility of a personal person being acquitted. However, if she pled guilty in return, she want she would if she would plead guilty to murder in return, she would serve life with the possibility of parole in fifteen years, which is the vital part. The parole after fifteen years is almost nailed on, um, and it would behave, and parole would be guaranteed. It is customary in these situations that prosecution um, would have to take the plea deal. Typically, the family of the deceased would either accept or refuse the deal on behalf of the prosecution, contemplating the options of the Murray family. And, well, it fell flat on their face because they refused to take the deal and rather take their chance at court. Thank you and yes. Good luck. <laughs> no, the Murray family wanted to take their... Oh, I thought you were saying Britney's family. No, 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 no. Murray's family <laughs> okay, wanted. That's what I was like. Oh. They didn't want her to get a lesser sentence. Gotcha. They wanted her to get full, full stuff. Yes. Okay, so. makes more sense. <laughs> I was like, why would they do that? <laughs> so the trial lasted eight weeks. Britney would eventually be found guilty of murder in the first degree, which taking the jury less than twenty-one minutes to deliberate. Mm. Um, Britney was sentenced to serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, with the judge adding clarification so there could be no doubt, you will spend the rest of your natural life in prison. Let her know. <laughs> Speaking publicly for the first time since the killings, briefly addressed Murray's family before learning her punishment. Before I go to prison, she said, I need you to hear how deeply sorry I am. Then she pleaded to have, please have mercy for her and that I don't ask for this for myself. I truly ask for this for my family, especially my mom and my dad. Please, Your Honor, at least give her some hope, said the family. He, they asked for parole eligibility, and if you leave her with some hope, that leaves the family with hope. The judge, Greenberg, replies with, You're one hell of a liar, ma'am. And, um, yeah, his tone was very high in contempt. And he wasn't having it. He did not have any shits to give. Um, I have no doubt that you are a deeply troubled woman, Greenberg told her. However, my sympathy for you, ma'am, does not begin and will not begin to approach what I feel for the Murray family. With or without parole, he said, you will live. You will see another sunrise. You will see another set. It may be through a prison window. 
There'll be Christmases, there'll be telephone calls, and there'll be visits. The only visits Jana Murray's family have is to her grave. Yep. Mm. In 2014, Brittany wanted a new trial, saying that the first one was wrong because she didn't understand her rights and they were not presented properly. Girl, sit down and shut up because you were denied. Facts. So that, yeah, she's still there. She's in prison. She's not getting a new trial. And that is the crazy story of Brittany Norwood and the Lululemon yoga pants. That is a gruesome story. Oh, my gosh. I'm very glad that... She got caught and sentenced to life in prison because, I mean, the fact that she killed this girl. Over crops. Lo- over? Yoga crops. Right. Yes, over leggings. A $12 an hour job. It's so, that just goes to show what a danger she is because if she was going to kill someone over that, like, she's just going to, she was just going to keep killing people. And she got that job at the higher gym to be a trainer, so everything was going. Yeah. But, um. I don't think she made it to her first day. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so either. <laughs> and didn't deserve to. No. No. Yeah. Not at so, all. It's very scary and scary how <clears throat> individuals could have such a op- such opportunities for employment and have the personality and as you described her to be when she started her job in then yet fighting those inner demons and you know, really no need to when you have all that charisma and all that potential, but then yet you turn around and do something like that. And it sounds like she did have a close family as well as yes, family. a close so family, her brother, supportive came, family. you know, yeah, right, yeah. And then to turn around and just keep that pattern going and going and going, and then ultimately lead to murder. It's actually scary because when you try to do the right thing and then they turn around. You know, people turn around and go to that extreme. It's just, um, yeah, you just never know. It's crazy. Yeah. And she was so, which, I don't know, maybe obsessive was, like, in her blood. Because they said her apartment was clean and tight. They said almost like a museum when you walked in there. She always had her hair was perfect. Her nails were perfect. So she was always on point from head to toe. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, I guess she just couldn't get it she mentally. Snapped. Yes, yeah. yes. She definitely yeah. had some dark demons she was Instead of just dealing with. Not showing up for work. Okay, I'm going to get fired. I just won't show up. I'm done. Walk away. She took that poor girl's life over, you know, probably, okay, they're Lululemon. So they're probably about $100 leggings, maybe a little bit cheaper. I know they're more expensive than, you know, the Dunhams that I would buy, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, yeah. And then she lie about her education, too, to her family. Yeah. I feel like from, like, everything you've said, it's, she just, like, wanted to be presented as this put-together, very perfect person to everyone around her. And she just snapped. Like, when I guess maybe she was, like, when she was confronted about stealing, she's like, oh, my gosh, they're all going to know that I steal, that I'm not perfect, that I do these bad things. And, like, it just made her snap, I guess. Yeah, complete exposure. Yeah. Yeah, she would be exposed yeah it does say in the book again it's on audible i can i'll post a book on their website in case anyone wants to read it or listen to it um it did say i think she had some inner demon struggles like her brothers and sisters they were all college graduates they had families careers they were like tip top living life and she was still spiraling not knowing what she was going to do yet still kind of like i don't want to say the black sheep of the family but clearly (laughs) yeah she turned um, out to be. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think she just had a lot of inner problems of probably comparing herself to the rest of the family. Like, yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how she grew up. You know what? How she was as a child, a young child, and where that trauma really made her. That sister was like a star soccer player, so it seems like she had the potential to be something much more greater. She just went down the, the wrong path. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Ugh. And that poor girl had to suffer because of it. Three hundred and twenty-two injuries. <sighs> and that life gives me like chills when he, when you were going over that like. That's that's brutal and that's just horrible. Like, it's not like one shot and she died. Like she kept going at this girl. Like that's a lot of rage. That's rage. a lot of anger. Right. That's mm-hmm. yeah. That's not like I hit her in the head with something and accidentally knocked her out and she never woke up. That was just yeah. Three hundred twenty-two times. That's a lot. yeah. Not stopping. Ugh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dang, Lululemon, I'm never going to look at it the same. I'm always going to think about that story now when I uh, look at that store. <laughs> well, sorry if I uh, ruined your morning workout with your Lululemon sign <laughs> out there, people. <laughs> but uh, just don't take it out on the store. Just Right. It is the individual. But thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. This, is, this was a treat. I'm glad you got to sit in and listen to it. And, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Don't forget. Get your raffles in for the drawing. Um, we got a Michael Myers setup. We'll post some pictures on that too. We added to it and uh, everything Halloween and Michael Myers. Lots of cool stuff. Yes. You can enter through the PayPal um, or through our website. So lots of ways to get in there. One dollar. That's it. That's yeah. it. Help, Help support this money. podcast and keep it going. Yes. So. All right, well, on that note, we will see you next week. Well, no, we won't. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. (laughs) Stay creepy. Bye. Bye.